Welcome to another edition of Campus Life. Uh, we are going to be continuing the conference kickoff series here. We finally have a, a potential name for it here after uh, summer school was stolen from us by the, the big guys over at uh, Cover 3. But this will be our final prep here for all of you in Debbie, CFF, or obviously Campus Decan Leagues. Uh, over these next couple of weeks here, we're going to be filling you in on the news in the college world and break down each and every conference. Uh, tonight, uh, Austin is still away, uh, boating around the Mediterranean on his yacht. But I am joined by one of the OGs of the Campus to Canton team here, our editor-in-chief, the producer behind our mind-blowing representation at last year's Fantasy Expo, one of the busiest guys in the industry, the people's champ himself, Dwight at FF People's Champ. Dwight, uh, how you doing, man? I'm doing really good, man. It's good to get back on here. I, I think I've been on here before. I was trying to think. I'm like uh, maybe a long time ago, but <laughs> I, I don't remember. So either yeah, way, I'm, I'm not thrilled with following up Barnabas. So uh, he <laughs> yeah, was Bar amazing. Yeah, Barnabas, a uh, great week, uh, a great episode on Monday earlier this week. Um, I think we might've had you on at the very beginning here, but yeah, uh, of campus while. life, like all the way back when the site first launched. But I do know that we've been on a podcast together because oh, yeah. you had me on the, uh, the Devi manual. Uh, that was my first guest appearance. Wow. Yeah. It's been a while. That's cool, man. <laughs> I, I didn't even remember that. So, wow. Yeah. 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 Uh, we talked uh freshman. It was uh, you, me, um, Joe, and uh, I'm pretty sure Nate um, was on too. Um, Nate Bork from I think. Oh yeah. From um, Dynasty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that was Very it. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Um, Dwight, uh, for anybody who might not be familiar with you, which I'm sure is not very many people, uh, but tell us a little bit about you, you know, how you got started in fantasy, and, and where we can find your work. Oh my gosh, man! Um, <clears throat> it's been a long path for me. I started in the in the early 90s, uh, scoring leagues off of USA Today box scores on Mondays and Tuesdays um, for my friends in high school. It just kind of evolved over the year. Thank God we have the internet and, <laughs> and things to take care of that. Um, I did kind of enjoy it, but it was also kind of a pain in the butt, especially when somebody lost by 0.3 and then they're asking you to redo the math and redo the math and then it comes out you did actually do the math wrong. So uh, <laughs> it's nice not to have to do that anymore. Um, it's been a long path. I got into Dynasty probably 10 years ago now, and it just slowly evolved down a path of Dynasty to Devi to, to C to C to college. And I feel like I'm home. And if it gets any weirder, I don't know if I can go any weirder than this, but um, <laughs> or any deeper down a rabbit hole, I guess. I feel like I've gone as deep down the rabbit hole of fantasy football as I can. So I'm, I hopefully we'll stop here. So. <laughs> And then, yeah, um, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not too much further down the rabbit hole that we could go here. I mean, you know, and, and you're running some of those uh, FF uh, cares eliminators too for yep. the college side, which is really cool. Yeah, those, those are fun. I've gotten more into college fantasies here. It's, it's a lot of fun to kind of those things like eliminators, you know, they're best balls. So they don't make me feel guilty about having 45 <laughs> leagues or whatever. Um, <laughs> I can say some of them are eliminators like, oh, those don't count, you know. So, yeah, those are fun. And then, like you said before, I'm 
the editing here, writing some conference previews here. Still do a little bit with the nerds, but not as much anymore. I do mostly editing behind the scenes stuff there, but just keeping busy. Uh, wish I could get back into cutting some more video like I did there for a long time, but just sometimes you don't have time for, you know, you know how it is and you sure. have family and, and then you get everything else. It's just hard to find a balance. I don't know how some of the guys do it. I was talking to Jeff Bell about it last night about how he's the lead over at lead dynasty guy at, at fantasy pros and he does the Debbie Royale and he writes articles and he does rankings. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like he's like, yeah, I just don't sleep basically. <laughs> yeah. I hear you there, man. So it's kind of one of the ones that goes sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep. Uh, sleep is the one that goes for me too. Whenever I have to, to get some stuff down here behind the scenes, I'm more yeah. of a night owl though. So it doesn't oh, affect yeah. me as much. Right. Um, but all right. Appreciate the uh, appreciate that, man. Appreciate you hopping on here. Um, we'll uh, before we get into it, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great pods, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, Fantasy Points Podcast, so many others on there. You can follow all of them at Fantasy Points Live. Or check out the drops uh, on Friday that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Um, this week we're going to be talking, or this episode we're going to be talking some Big Twelve here. Uh, but before we get into that, we're going to do our cram session here, uh, which we've done with a couple other people so far. But for anybody who is not familiar with it, uh, it's going to be three questions we're going to ask Dwight. Uh, one player he thinks is going to help his stock. One player he thinks is going to hurt it, and then his bold prediction here. Uh, you can go whatever direction you want with these. Um, Dwight, hit us with uh, the player you think will help their stock the most this season. Well, I wanted to go somebody not quite as obvious. You know, I thought about Jermaine Burton, but that's like an obvious one, I think. Right. So um, I'm going to go with Jaden Reed, my boy at Michigan State there. I think that that offense is going to have to find something to do to replace Kenneth Walker. And they've got a dynamic playmaker on the outside and Jalen Reed. Jaden Reed, sorry. And I like the way Peyton Thorne started to kind of emerge last year a little bit as a viable college quarterback. So I think this offense has to do something and they have to. Mel Tucker is going to evolve and hopefully like feature this kid. He's an electric receiver. So I, I love his size. I think he's a guy that can translate to the NFL as a versatile type of guy that can do a little bit of everything, return kicks. You know, I think it's funny that I actually saw that in Austin's write-up in the Debbie guy that he's, he's a bit of a poor man's Kayshawn Boutte stylistically, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, I wish <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, even a poor man's version would be nice. So he is just really dangerous at the ball. They can use him in the screen, the run game. And I want to see Michigan State do that. Something that I haven't seen him do in the 30 something years I've been a fan of Michigan State is learn how to use a dynamic weapon like him. But I think it's there. I hope to hell they use it. And I hope to hell he breaks out this year. So. Yeah, Jaden Reed's a guy I think I agree. He's flying a little bit under the radar there. We talked about him on Monday here, and he's uh, I kind of like the poor man's Kayshawn Boutte there because he, like you said, he really can do a little bit of everything. Uh, over a thousand receiving yards last year, ten touchdowns, uh, over five hundred yards returning. You know, just did a little bit of everything for him. But isn't it though? If, if anybody that Austin's talking about is is a poor man to him, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Oh, okay. That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Poor. Poor in. Uh, poor in quality. Not a uh, poor in. Not financially. I mean, not many people can hold up to Austin, the one percenter. 
Um, oh, on the other side of that coin here, give us uh, one player you think will hurt their stock the most this year. And I just feel like we, and when I say we're not, when I say we, I, I kind of the community, but not all of us, obviously. I feel like we as a community have built up Tyler Van Dyke a little bit too much. And it just, it worries me a little bit. I expect him to take a little bit of a regression this year. I still think he's a quality possible NFL type of quarterback, but I'm worried about how high we've gone with him. You see him mocked. I think today I saw him mocked and like pick 13 in the NFL draft. And I'm just like, whoa, slow down. I mean, who is he throwing to for one? I mean, he's, I mean, you're right. He wasn't throwing to much last year either, but I just, I worry a little bit. I think he's going to take a little bit of a step back this year. How many quarterbacks do we see have that explosive first year? Like he Slovis did, you know, and then all of a sudden, like teams get wise to them or something. I'm not, I'm not really sure how to explain that. And then the second year, they kind of take a little bit of a regression. So I expect him to take a little bit of a regression, a little bit of a step back. I still think he's got a decent chance, but for where he's going and what price he's going, I think we on the site have him in our top 10 quarterbacks, which scares me a little bit. Um, but I would, I would, you know, I think he's probably going to take a little bit of a step back this year. Yeah, I see that coming to, I mean, I know some people are concerned about Josh Gaddis coming over and, you know, what he looked like at Michigan versus what he's going to bring to Miami. It's a little bit hard to predict that right now. Um, But either way, like you touched on, his receiving weapons there are are pretty poor this year. I mean, last year he at least had Charleston Rambo, who was able to be some sort of an option for him. You know, this spring, all we've heard about are how bad these receivers are. So, you know, even if his play doesn't take that big of a step back personally himself, it's going to kind of drop because of the, everybody else around him. So yeah, I'm, I'll be interested to keep, see how Van Dyke looks this year too. Um, and how that'll help his draft stock. Um, but all right, last one here, we got a bold prediction. Uh, go any way you want with this one, Dwight hit us with your bold prediction. All right. I think Marvin Harrison is going to outproduce Jackson Smith and Jigma. He's going to win the Bolitnikoff. And then I'll, the not okay. bold part of it is Ohio State loses in the first round of playoffs again, regardless. But that's not as bold. But <laughs> okay. I always have to take my Ohio State jab. I don't know. The more I've watched those two, I mean, JSN is obviously he's a freak. He's awesome. I mean, he's still my he's my wide receiver too behind Boutte, but I think they're both like that same top tier. I just love what Marvin Harrison does also. Those two on the field together is not right in any way, shape, and form. Um, I think Harrison's, you know we got the reports of him beefing up and, you know, these videos of him jumping like halfway across the freaking dome that they were practicing. And I mean, he's a freak too. He, he's made a huge step forward. So I could see JSN getting a little more of the, the star treatment and Harrison getting a little more of the, I don't know how you could leave either of those guys alone, but I think both of them are going to have amazing seasons, but I think Harrison's going to outproduce them this year and win the Blitnikoff. So. Man, I like that. Uh, that is, yeah, it's definitely a bold call there. I mean, you know, everybody's hyping up JSN right now. A oh, lot yeah. of people have him over Keishon Boutte as their wide receiver one, you know, given Boutte's injury and the way that JSN finished the year last year. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, 95 catches, 1,600 yards, nine touchdowns on the year. But then he had that monster uh, game in the bowl game. But so did Marvin Harrison. Um, mm-hmm. and he brings something a little bit different than, than JSN there. So I, I like that call. Um, we will get into the big 12 here. We'll break it down team by team, um, break down some of the more relevant players on the teams here for you. The big 12 is still a conference. 
everybody. <laughs> they haven't lost everybody yet. Um, but we'll start off with Baylor. Uh, at QB, there was a battle this spring between Blake Shapin uh, and Jerry Bohannon. Jerry Bohannon was the starter last year. Shapin came in at some times uh, towards the end of the season, looked pretty good. And Shapin actually beat out Jerry Bohannon early enough in the spring and uh, convincingly enough that they informed Blake Shapin he would be the starter. Jerry Bohannon since transferred. Uh, Shapin is going to be the starter here this year. Uh, what are we thinking about Blake Shapin this year? I, I love that. I mean, that's yeah, that's got to do wonders for a kid's confidence, too. I mean, to come out of a, a competition like that, and then the other guy who's who, I mean, Bohannon's a vet. You know, mm -hmm. he's just like, screw it, I'm done, I'm yep. out of here. So I, I think that's got to do wonders for his confidence. He's one of, Shapin is one of my favorite targets in CDC. Um, I've been, he's my quarterback 48, which is kind of high. I mean, I think our ADP is, he's quarterback 92. C CFF, he goes a little bit higher than that. Um, I just like his command of that offense. I think he's he's not a rusher. He's not the most mobile guy, but he's not a statue either. He does move around pretty well in the pocket. And I just love the command of the offense. And the fact that in five games, he threw, you know, 72% completion rate, five touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, he just seems to have a really good level head on his shoulder. And then to go into the spring and have a competition with a veteran guy who was the starter and then beat him out. I just think he's got the good, the good, good head on his shoulders. And he's ready for the ready for anything they throw at him. So I like Shapin quite a bit. I think he's going to have a pretty darn good year as far as NFL prospects. I mean, you know, I don't think for Debbie he's much to consider. He is six foot, one hundred ninety pounds. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He doesn't have an arm that's going to blow you away by any means. So, but as far as CFF and C to C, he's a guy I'm targeting pretty aggressively. Yeah, he's a guy that has been just slowly creeping up my ranks here. Um, I, I agree with you. I think that he just has a really nice command of the offense whenever you watch him. Uh, he's pretty accurate as well. Not the biggest guy, not the biggest arm, not the most mobile, but just very steady. And Jeff Grimes, the OC there, was the OC for Zach Wilson, and he's been the OC for some pretty prolific offenses uh, this offense was a little bit more run heavy last year. Um, you know, they they were a little bit slower paced, but I do think that with solid quarterback play, this could be an offense that we see pass the ball a little bit more this year. So I like Shapin. I like that call. Um, on the uh, backfield here, um, last year they had a, a two-headed committee there. Uh, Abram Smith uh, was the Thunder uh, Tristan Ebner was the lightning. They are both gone to the NFL. Uh, we're not 100% sure who's going to lead that backfield right now. It's looking like it's going to be Tay McWilliams. Um, Craig Williams is in the mix as well. Um, do you have a, a, a preference between one of these two guys? And, and is this the backfield that you're targeting given the success that they've had last year? Oh my gosh, man. If, if it's not Tay McWilliams, there's going to be a lot of really sad people. Like, <laughs> like I, have, I have been watching him go like quite high in a lot of CFF drafts. I mean, like eighth, ninth, 10th round. I mean, I think everybody thinks it's going to be him. I think whoever it is, I mean, they're running behind the big 12's best offensive line. And I like McWilliams' size at six foot one, two eleven. Um, he's got really pretty good, pretty good athleticism. His numbers in limited duty, 17 for 181 and two. Is, I mean, it shows he's got pretty good explosiveness for his size. So I think everybody's expecting him to be the starter. 
obviously I haven't watched him a whole lot. He only had 17 carries, um, but what I saw, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, and I think he's, everybody's assuming he's going to be the guy. And I think he's the one who's most ready for the job. And so I am targeting him, but not as aggressive as some are. I think I'm still, it's still like uh, Abram was pretty good last year as far as a CFF producer and stuff. So I think whoever is in that offense could be a pretty good back. And I don't see them as being the type to split it a whole lot. So I think Tay McWilliams is, is the one to own. Yeah. I'm uh, Tay McWilliams again, another guy that's been climbing up my rankings here this off season too. I'm, I'm kind of operating under the assumption that he's going to lead that backfield as well. Right. It's the way the tea leaves have been leaning at this point. Uh, and you know, last year the split with Abram and uh, Smith and, and Ebner was, you know, Abram Smith led that backfield. You know, he had yeah. 257 carries to Ebner's 148. Ebner was a little bit more change of pace. You know, he had 28 catches too. So maybe we see something like that um, from one of the other guys in the roster. But I definitely think McWilliams being the favorite to take on the Abram Smith role makes him a really intriguing option. I think he's more athletic than Smith too. Um, so I'll be, he, he's a guy, like I said, climbing my rankings for sure. He's definitely got the build to to take on that, you know, 250 touch roll. Um, as guys that could possibly split there, I still like Jordan Jenkins quite a bit as like the next man up. You know, like if something happens to Tay McWilliams, I actually haven't been over <laughs> Tay McWilliams and Williams is confusing to have in a backfield. <laughs> one, one should transfer, but I like Jordan <laughs> Jenkins a lot better. Um, he was just a freshman last year, North South powerful runner, good top end speed. Uh, not the most agile guy has to slow down a little bit when he changes speed, but he's a, he's a guy that just uh, no, no dinking around, you know, kind of more in the mold of Abram Smith as well. And then there's also, I think I got, when you said Williams, are you talking about squirrel? Yeah. Craig squirrel okay. Williams. Sorry. Okay. I didn't know. He, I didn't know his first name. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Squirrel. Yeah. Come on. Squirrel. Yeah. S Q W I R L. Okay. I think. Yeah. You got me a little confused there. I'm like, Craig. Anyway, so I do have notes on squirrel Williams. He's Craig. Um, he's a small, quick guy. He could, I could definitely see him stealing some receiving work too. So, I mean, I think, uh, like you said, I think McWilliams is it. Squirrel will probably grab some, some touches and third down type of roles, you know, if they get down and need somebody a little more explosive in there. And then as the next guy up, I like Jordan Jenkins quite a bit. So. Yeah. Jenkins was a, a pretty solid recruit last year um, coming in. So, you know, definitely a guy to keep an eye on there as well. Uh, moving into the receiver room, uh, Tyquan Thornton was the guy there for a while. Uh, you know, fastest man at the combine this year, fastest receiver at the combine this year. Um, parlayed that into some pretty nice draft capital. But with him gone, there really wasn't a number two option uh, on that team in terms of receiving. The next closest guy, you know, 46 catches to his 62. Um, who do we think is the guy who's going to step up uh, and replace Tyquan Thornton? Or is it maybe going to spread out, be a little bit more of a committee type of thing? Yeah, with a 60, 66% vacated product, production with the top four gone, that's crazy. Um, I think it's going to be a committee guy. None of the guys really stick out, but as far as a guy, if they decide to tailor the offense and keep going exactly the way they were, I see our freshman Armani Winfield actually has a skill set very close to Thornton's. Uh, a speedy guy, you know, mainly a boundary type guy, field stretcher. Um, can you know, just gets downfield in a hurry? 
I can see him fulfilling a little bit of that role and being the alpha in quotations, you know, but I still think it's as far as fantasy production. I mean, I, I don't think I ever owned Thornton on any of my CFF teams or anything. He was never really much of a fantasy asset even. So Baylor's one of those teams that just, they spread it out. You know, they, they get it around. They don't, you know, focus too much on one guy. So I'm, I'm not going after any of the wide receivers, even though I think Shapin's going to have a pretty good year. I'm not really going for any of the wide receivers. What do you think, man? Yeah. I mean, like you said, Tyquan Thornton wasn't ever really anybody that you were dying to own in fantasy. I mean, he was much better in a best ball format, you know, when he would right. break off one of these long runs and he'd end up with like, you know, four catches for 110 yards and two touchdowns or something crazy like that. Um, so, yeah, I do see them spreading the ball around a little bit more. Um, Monterey Baldwin is a three-star guy from last year, tiny guy, five, uh, nine, uh, 160 pounds. He's been getting a little bit of hype. Uh, I think he could provide a little bit of a different element to that offense compared to what we were, see, you know, what, what you'll see from like a Winfield who you touched on, who could have a big role. So Monterey Baldwin is a guy I'm keeping an eye on, but there's nobody here that I'm going out to, to really target or, or right. nobody that I really want to roster. They're more just watch list guys for me. Right. Or like a 30th round, you know, dart throw type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. Um, and the tight end though, is a little bit more interesting. Um, you know, they had Ben Sims coming back this year, right. uh, 31 catches, 361 yards, six touchdowns last year, second on the team in receiving touchdowns behind Thornton. Um, you know, so he's, he's an interesting option at the tight end position, uh, you know, where, or is he a guy that you're targeting given the lack of clarity in the wide receiver room? Yeah, a, a little bit later in drafts. I mean, <laughs> apparently a dog likes Ben Sims too. Um, he loves him. <laughs> that's uh, somebody who Mo Mox had highlighted in our college guide, you know, our CFF guy is Ben Sims. Cause I, you know, I didn't hardly, uh, as when it gets deeper in the tight ends, I'm extremely lost. So uh, <laughs> he's a guy that, yeah, you know, if I got a two tight end, you know, like our eliminators that we're running, I might grab him later on in the, because 360 yards, six touchdowns is, is pretty darn good for a tight end two or three, you know, in college. So he's a guy who, yeah, I'll take a dart throw on later. Yeah. And, and I think he's, uh, you know, it's hard to say anybody's a lock at the tight end position, but I think he's a lock for that same production uh, as well, except given the, the lack of clarity at the wide receiver room. So he's somebody right. that I've been keeping an eye on, especially like you said, in the two tight end set um, setups, like the uh, eliminators that we've been doing, you know, because that's two tight ends and tight end premium. You got to get somebody. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, moving into Iowa State here, we got Hunter Deckers. Uh, I was going to say, my, nobody at quarterback, nothing to see there. <laughs> the the only guy out there with a restraining order against Felix. Uh, what <laughs> are... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I highly are, doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Felix <laughs> likes, uh, likes Deckers more than uh, Deckers' family does. Um, <laughs> but Hunter Deckers was an intriguing prospect, a four-star dual threat in the class of 2020 sat his turn waited behind um you know brock purdy there purdy's finally gone decker's got a little bit of work uh, you know it, while purdy was still there and some sub package work there um he's definitely a dual threat guy lives up to that name um or you know what are our thoughts here on uh, on hunter decker's taking over here um, can he be a better fantasy option than purdy 
God, I sure as heck hope so. Um, I remember there was a minute there where we thought Purdy might be an NFL quarterback. Uh, I want to say a couple years ago. Um, I have a lot of love for Deckers too. I love the dual, being a dual threat definitely helps. Um, but I, lo- I think I love more the ability to eat his desire. Like when you watch him play, he loves to push the ball downfield. You know, I, I love seeing that in quarterback, like a guy who just is just constantly looking to go downfield. Uh, he's got pretty good accuracy. He hits his windows well, leads receivers. And I love that he plays with like a fire and a passion. You know, I absolutely love that. Like you just see it in some of the ways some of these guys play, like the swagger that they have. And, you know, it's the type of guy you want that in your quarterback. Your team rallies around it, you know. So I like his size at six foot three, 225. I think that's perfect for a quarterback. I mean, you know, perfect you know, good enough to be athletic and agile, but also take some hits and things like that. So I like Deckers quite a bit too. I don't remember where I have him, probably not as high as Felix, but I think I have him right outside the top 30. So he's in C to C. He's a guy that I'm really hopeful for. Uh, There was that crazy video of him. What was it not long ago doing the accuracy thing, wasn't it? Or I don't remember. He just, he's building a little bit of a legend there. So I I like it. He's got to be better than Brock though. (laughs) Yeah. Brock had his, uh, had his moment in the sun there where some people thought maybe he could be a first round pick. And then just very quickly, everybody realized that was not going to happen. Deckers on the other hand does have the tools and the skill set to be drafted. uh, You know, definitely higher than Purdy. You know, we'll see how, Hell, college pans out for him here. I'm not ready to crown him like Felix is, but uh, he is a guy that's also been climbing my rankings here this offseason. Um, do, yeah, the, do you think the offense holds him back a little? Because Iowa State has never been an offensively yeah. progressive team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I do think the offense holds him back. And that's probably my biggest concern with Deckers is, you know, yes, he's more dynamic as a runner. Um, he has a bigger arm too than Purdy, but I don't know if I see him getting the volume to really right. be week to week relevant fantasy wise. You know, I, I don't see him finishing as a QB two uh, on the year for CFF. And then, you know, then we're just kind of guessing at what his draft capital is. So that's why he's not higher for me. That's my biggest concern. Yeah. I, I am right. worried about the offense. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but the, you know, the offense is more run heavy. Um, and they do lose, uh, you know, superstar Brees Hall. He's going to be gone. Um, there's two leading candidates right now to fill in uh, for the void that Hall left. And that is uh, former four star in the class of 2019, Jirel Brock, uh, and a three star guy in this year's class, 2022, Cartavius Norton. Uh, one of the guys that Austin has uh, been slowly hyping up uh, this this offseason here. Um, do we think this is a committee or, or is one of these guys going to seize this role? And if so, you know, which one do you think is going to be the one that seizes it? Yeah, I think it's I mean, just I think talent and both of those guys is pretty close at this point. I think Norton's got a higher ceiling. And Iowa State has always been the type of team that, you know, lets their guys go through their paces, you know, and lets them go up the chart, you know, and Brock's next in line. So it's Brock's job. And whenever Hall was out last year, Brock was always right there, you know, and I think so the team believes in him. I do think it's kind of an interesting, he's a little bit interesting, a contrast from David Montgomery and Brees Hall. I feel like Brock's more north-south, you know, he runs through contacts. He has some moves to make a guy miss, but he's definitely more of a, you know, just get up field type of guy. He's got good, he's got pretty good breakaways to be nothing elite though. And he's shown a bit of the pass catching chops. 
Uh, he's got to show he can hold a full load, but I'm pretty sure he will. I mean, it's just, I, I don't, they don't, they might spell Norton in a little bit there, here and there, but I think it's Brock's job to lose. And I mean, they've got a system that does pretty well at highlighting their running backs. I think, uh, I don't want to go down that path or not. Um, <laughs> I don't, <clears throat> I've never thought David Montgomery is as good as he's been. And I still don't think Brees Hall is going to be as good as everybody's crowning him, but they've definitely got a system there that knows how to, you know, make their running backs look better. So, um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't, to, I don't want to go down that road. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think they're, they have a good system set up and they always have good line play where everything falls into place to be, to allow these running backs to be as productive as possible. Um, you right. know, so I, I do think Hall and Montgomery, both talented running backs, but right. they did probably benefit from the system and from the offensive line there, which is why I am very interested in both of those things are why I'm very interested in whoever ends up winning this job because they don't really have a tendency to split the backfield. It does tend to oh, be no. one guy. Now, you know, Brees obviously earned the, all 253 carries that he had. You know, Jairel Brock was second on the team with 37. So he had 200 more carries than the next closest guy. But I don't know if I see Brock really running away with that job at this point. Norton is a guy that I like a lot. And uh, when Phil Steele, um, for anybody who doesn't know, Phil Steele's an old head in the college football world. He's got connections all across the league. Uh, he puts out this magazine every year, breaking down each team. When he put out his magazine and saw Cartavius, and saw Cartavius Norton as the number one running back listed there, that really opened my eyes. And that was something that really kind of catapulted him up my rankings. Because like you said, they, they are kind of like a, a next man up type of a, a system. But if he's hearing that it could be Norton, um, I'll be very interested to, interested to see how that plays out early on in the season. And then we have the, then we run into that, you know, if Norton's the guy right away, the next thing you know, he's going to have 250 carries for the next three seasons. Then, then it's the whole tire on the tread thing, you know, the tread of the yeah. tire. And it's, yeah. anyways, always, yeah, always something. Always something. Yeah. I like Norton a lot. He's got great size. He seems to be advanced, which I was really surprised. He was only a three-star. I thought he ran yeah. very patient, very mature. Like he, he seemingly lets his blocks develop. You know, he uses vision, cutbacks, misdirection. I mean, I was surprised at how advanced he looked for, you know, 17 year old kid, you know? So I, I like Norton quite a bit as well. So, yeah, absolutely. The, the recruiting rating is something that kind of confused me a little bit too. Um, diving into it a little bit, he did miss about half of the year in 2020 uh, with a broken collarbone. So maybe that played a role in why he didn't, you know, start higher in the in the rankings and he had to to work his way up. Um, but he was doing it in Georgia, which is, you know, one of the better states for, for football. So uh, an intriguing case there, nonetheless. But we'll move into the wide receivers here. And this is really a one man show. Uh, oh, Xavier yeah. Hutchinson, former community college transfer. Uh, last year led the room by a, a good amount, 83 catches, 987 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, next leading receiver had 38 catches. Um, you know, <laughs> so this is really Xavier Hutchinson's room. Um, is he a guy that you are interested in for CFF, interested in potentially for the draft? Um, and is there anybody else in this room that I'm missing that you, that you would be interested in? 
Yeah, I, I like Hutchinson quite a bit. He's going to get a massive workload this year. He's a guy who I have tried aggressively to target in my CFF drafts. I mean, he usually falls pretty far, especially for the type of production he can put up. So the rest of the room there is, I mean, it's just some guys, you know, Sean Shaw. Sean, ugh, yeah, seashells, <laughs> seashells by the seashore. Sean, <laughs> Sean Shaw. Jalen Noel, Daniel Jackson, not formerly of Minnesota, and Greg Greg Gaines. So just some guys, just some dudes. I'm not at all targeting them. But Hutchinson's shown alpha ability and the ability to command like targets. And Big 12 is notoriously obviously have bad defenses. So he's a guy I like quite a bit for CFF. NFL, yeah, not as much. but Yeah, I think for the NFL side of things – I don't know if I see him getting day two capital, but he seems like a guy to me that'll go fourth round, you know, right. um, maybe, maybe early, early fifth. Uh, you know, he's just very steady. He's got solid route running. Uh, he's got good size. I think he has some versatility mm-hmm. to his game. Uh, you know, I think he's a guy that could latch on a roster at the next level. So, uh, but beyond that, I- I'm not sure what his ceiling is and, and yeah, it's it's really his show in Iowa State there. So if if you're targeting anybody in the passing in the receiving room, it's gonna be him. Um, right. But yeah, I'm trying to trying to draw a comparison, but he could be one of those guys that sticks around the NFL and gets you know 40 catches for 500 yards every year, you yeah. know, or every every once in a while 60, you know, yeah. just always has a little bit of a role wide receiver two, wide receiver three type, you know, but nothing special, you know, just but yeah, could yeah. find a role. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's kind of pretty much exactly what I'm seeing for him as well there. Um, the tight end room is one that's interesting here at Iowa State. Um, Charlie Kohler uh, was the second leading receiver on the team, the tight end from last year. 62 catches, 756 yards, six touchdowns, very reliable production coming from a tight end position here. Um, but he is off to the NFL and... You know, we're, we're not 100% sure who's going to take over. Maybe Easton Dean uh, is looking like he could potentially be the guy there. Um, is this a is, is this a room where you're targeting the next man up? Or are you kind of thinking Kohler's production more came from him and how good he was and what his connection was with Purdy? Um, Probably I want, I want to see who's, who's next up for sure. I mean, Tyler Moore and Easton Dean only have – Easton Dean only had two catches between them. I mean – you know, so we haven't really seen either of them. Both of them have pretty good size. I think both are like 6'5", 250-ish. You know, they both have pretty good size. And I, I don't know enough about scouting tight ends that far down, especially. <laughs> so I'm not taking a shot at either, but I will certainly be watching, you know, because if they're a type of offense that I like Charlie Kohler, but he's, you know, not super special or anything. Yeah. But I do like him as a good, solid NFL tight end, you know, and I think either of those guys could be it. I just, I'm not going to the game waiting for which one so yeah Yeah, exactly i'm not going to draft either of them um they're just guys that i'm going to keep an eye on see how the season shakes out uh and you know put them on my watch list and maybe pick them up after like week one or two if somebody's really separating there from the room right right um but moving into kansas the punching bag of the big 12 for years (laughs) In comes Lance Leipold, and all of, they shock Texas, and you know, yeah. give the give the program a little bit of hope here. Uh, at the quarterback position, it took them a little bit to get it figured out, but at the end of the year, uh, they went with Jalen Daniels, uh, and he he was fairly impressive down the stretch there. 
Um, all of his games were above 68% completion percentage to close out the year, the last four. Um, multi-touchdown games, seven touchdowns, three interceptions total. Uh, he brings a little bit with his legs, too. Um, you know, are, are we, now that it seems like maybe Kansas has the ship righted a little bit here, are we a little more interested in a guy like Daniels? I am. I feel like that the... Program is turning around. I know they, you know, were two and ten last year, but yeah, they, right. they've been getting some recruits. You know, they're not. They don't. I feel like they're going the right way. And I like Daniels a lot when watching him last year, especially against Texas. I mean, he played. He's got a little bit of that swagger that I love. You know, he's not rattled. And despite going up against Texas, you'd think he would be. Um, but I think, I, ironically, what will hold him down is the lack of passing targets and the fact that they'll always be in negative game scripts. I mean, I think he he could throw a lot, but it's probably going to lead to a lot of interceptions and a lot of, you know, inaccuracy. So I, I hope that he can stick with it because I think the kid's got some promise. Like you said, the, the good rushing upside is nice too. So I think he'll be okay, but I'm not like – aggressively targeting him or anything, but I'm very hopeful for him. I do like what I've seen. I just, I just worry that the whole team is going to hold him back a little bit. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be a concern. Like you said, with negative game scripts, um, you know, and, and an offense that doesn't really have much in it, many weapons in the passing right. game. Um, it's proceed with caution, but I am cautiously optimistic though, uh, that, right. that he could be a, a yeah. really nice CFF producer there. Uh, the, primary person and room that we're targeting on this team is the running back room. Um, Devin Neal, uh, a freshman from last year, four star or three star guy, high three star um, goes to Kansas, which was kind of a coup for them. He's a guy that we were hyping up uh, at the site early last year, ends up leading the room last year, 158 uh, carries 707 yards, eight touchdowns, Chipped in seven catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, but everybody remembers that big game that he had against Texas. That's the That was really his, his coming out party here. Uh, 24 carries, 143 yards, three touchdowns, another touchdown through the air. Um, is this going to be more of the same from Devin Neal this year? Or, you know, Kansas did bring in two transfers and Sevian Morris and Kai Thomas from the Big Ten. Uh, you know, are we thinking maybe they split this up a little bit more? Okay, it's it's going to be more of Devin Neal. I mean, all Devin Neal. I think Kai and Sevian were obviously brought in to, you know, maybe take a little bit off the workload because I think Devin Neal's a special talent at running back. I really do. I think he's got he's got a great build, exceptional athlete, great burst, plays with speed. You know, all the reasons that we loved him. He's patient. He allows blocks to develop, good contact balance. I, I can go on. The things that I love about him as a running back. But he's going to see a lot of eight-man boxes. <laughs> he's going to see a lot of everybody keying in on him, you know. So I think maybe they brought in Thomas and Sevian to take a little bit of the workload off. So maybe he won't be one of those guys that sees 300 touches, which is what we want, you know, in college. We want our running backs to be the future, the feature guy. You know, we want him to be all that. So I still love him as an NFL prospect. I think maybe Kai and Sevian could maybe limit a little bit of his college production. He's still going to be fine. I mean, he's still going to be fine, but I think I've seen him go a lot in the first and second round, mostly second, and he may not live up to that, which, you know, is, yeah, for CFF, I guess, you know, that's what, that's what I would put. A, I would put that caveat on this, you know, that maybe for CFF, he takes a little bit of a bump back. So, Yeah, I mean, on a 
team that was two and ten, and you, we talked about a little bit before that you know probably going to get some negative game script there. Definitely right. concerning for Neil. The, the 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 things to hang your hat on with him is one Lance Leipold traditionally has very productive rushing offenses. You know he was one of the masterminds behind Jarrett Patterson's massive season. And this offense does bring back four of five offensive linemen starters. So while they're a slower paced team, uh, they're not a great team, even though they are maybe on the turnaround here a little bit. Uh, and, and, you know, you're going to see some negative game script. I do think if Neil can get the bulk of these carries here, we could see some really nice weeks for him. I'm much more interested in best ball, uh, which, you know, that's where I took him in one of the eliminators um, because I think he could have some big weeks like he did against Texas. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when we turn over to the wide receiver room here, uh, Kansas does lose their top guy in the room. Um, Lassiter, I'm not even going to put Kwame Lassiter, I think maybe is how you pronounce his name. Um, he doubled up everybody on catches, almost doubled up on yards, 59 uh, catches, 653 yards, three touchdowns. He's gone. But is there anybody in this room that we're really interested in at all here? Or is this just kind of an avoid? No, I had nothing I'm interested in here. Gotcha. And then more along the lines is the tight end, I think, is, is, is in the same yeah. boat for me. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Um, we won't spend too much more time on Kansas then. We'll move into Kansas State. Uh, Kansas hey. State brings in a uh, transfer at the quarterback position. Uh, Adrian Martinez from Nebraska is transferring there for his final year of eligibility. Uh, Martinez is a guy who was highly productive fantasy-wise at Nebraska, if not necessarily always translating that to wins and losses. Um, are we thinking we're going to see more of the same at Kansas State that we saw at Nebraska, at least in terms of fantasy? I, I do. They're, they're, the whole program is taking – you've seen with, with their recent recruits. You know, they just got Avery Johnson. You know, they're they're trying to – it feels like they're trying to build an offense that focuses around a running quarterback, you know, that will be able to do that. So I, th- I still think he's going to be a great college quarterback. That's what Adrian Martinez is. And he's going to have games where he rushes for 200 yards, you know, and he has a decent arm, but sometimes he can actually push the ball downfield and actually make good throws and, you know, really push that offense. So I think this offense will highlight his strengths. I still don't see an NFL role for him, but he's still going to be, I think he'll be a good starter for CFF, C to C. I think he's a good quarterback to it in that format, especially best ball. Oh my gosh. Like you mentioned that. I mean, he's going to have weeks where he's just throwing, where he not, not on the Malik Cunningham level, obviously, but he'll have games where he, you know, four or five touchdowns and, you know, three, 400 yards. So how he gets it, you know, he goes a different path, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's not conventional, but He's a guy, I still can't believe it. He, it feels like he has been around for seven, eight years. I mean, it feels like it's been forever. So. Yeah. I mean, he was starting as a true freshman and he's still here because of the COVID year. Um, like you said, not always going to be conventional with him, not always going to be pretty, but he puts up fantasy numbers. Exactly. Um, definitely a guy that I'd be interested in for that. But the engine of this offense was running back uh, Deuce Vaughn, small in stature, big in production. 235 carries, uh, 1,400 rushing yards, 18 touchdowns, also 49 receptions, 468 yards, four touchdowns there. Um, We're expecting him to be the engine of the offense here again this year. Um, 
you know, this offense could be a little bit better, I think, under Martinez than maybe Skylar yeah. Thompson here. Or, you know, is this are we expecting more of the same for Vaughn or is there maybe even a higher gear for him here? Oh, it's going to be more of the same. And I actually saw a tweet today from a Debbie Dietz that says, I've sat on the fence as long as I possibly could on Vaughn, but Noah Hills has got me thinking he should go all in. So I think even some people in the industry are finally going all in on Deuce Vaughn. Come on now. Debbie Dietz, <laughs> we appreciate you. I don't Anyways, know what that Debbie Dietz guys knows. I don't know how I, know. I trust him. So, yeah, he's just, I mean, wow, for college fantasy, he is just as fun as it gets, man. 1,400 yards, 18 touchdowns, 50 receptions. Oh, my holy shit. <laughs> that's that's fun. That's why he's a top three to five C to C or CFCFF pick. So I think it's going to be the same exact thing. And as far as NFL, I mean, everybody wants to say the 560, 160, you know, 160 pounds is just too small. You know, that's obviously he gets the Darren Sproles comp because it's natural, because they both went to K-State, you know. But it honestly will take a team like the Eagles, the Chargers, and Saints that all made a role for Darren Sproles. You're going to have to make a role for Deuce Vaughn, you know, because of his size. And he's, I think he could see late day two capital maybe even if you get that right team. They can see a, a team that can get him in and get him 125 touches because he is just so electric with that ball in his hands. I mean, you get him out in the open, holy smokes. I mean. He is so much fun to watch. So I think the size is obviously a concern, but I don't, I don't know. Like the NFL seems like it's evolving a little, hopefully, and size doesn't seem to matter as much with some of these playmakers. So, yeah, I mean, we're we're moving into an era where people or offensive coordinators are highlighting their talent in ways that they weren't before. They're kind of marrying talent to scheme than trying to force square pegs into round holes so i mean there's there's, you know there are outliers every year betting on outliers are difficult to predict but when an outlier has this much production especially in the receiving game as well very uh very intriguing option there um and you know for anybody who wants more information on deuce vaughn definitely check out noah hills's um hero rb show from this week very good listen if it especially if it can convince austin to come around on a player um Beyond Deuce Vaughn, though, there's not really anybody else in this backfield that I'm all that interested in. I mean, stop me if I'm wrong here, but it's the Deuce Vaughn show. Not really a clear air apparent here. Uh, so we can move into the receiving room. And again, this you know, offense last year, 101st neutral game script pass rate, 130th in place per game. So it's slow. They don't pass much. Not a lot of volume to go around here. Bring in a new OC, but I mean, I'm nobody that I'm really interested in here. How about you? Right. Yeah. There's a couple guys who could possibly be best ball dart throws if Martinez goes off on one of his tangents. But I got Malik Knowles as an X type of receiver, a bigger guy. Philip Brooks is a smaller guy, really explosive. But I, neither of them are move my needle at all for, and they, they might have a game here and there, but it's not worth even investing in best ball, I think. So. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at at this point, too. Um, so we'll move into one there of the big go. boys in this conference here, uh, at least for another year or two, <laughs> Oklahoma. Uh, Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams out. They are headed out west to join USC. But in comes Jeff Levy uh, as the OC and Dylan Gabriel uh, quarterback here. Uh, obviously going to be a very different offense here, but what are your expectations for Gabriel 
in Jeff Levy's offense at a high power five program. Right. Uh, Jeff Libby has has run more of a neutral game script in, in the past, like at Old Miss, the last two seasons. But each time he also ran, he was in the top 10 of plays ran per game. You know, they, they pushed the ball like they were quick to the line, you know, and obviously we saw what Matt Corral did in those systems and the systems under Jeff Levy. So as far as what he can do to the offense, I think it's still going to be a very fast paced offense and they are going to push the ball. I mean, in the, in the Big 12, you have to score 50 points to win sometimes. So I think regardless of what his personal game script is, if it's more neutral, you can't be neutral and score 50 points. So I think it's going to lean more toward that. And Gabriel has had some experience in this system and I have huge expectations for Gabriel this year. I think he's got potential to be like a top five CFF quarterback. I mean, he's going to have a monstrous year and they are going to score points and they are going to Gabriel's going to just chuck it all around the yard. That's what he does. He's a gunslinger. Uh, he's got good mobility. He makes plays on the run, doesn't have the biggest arm, but he fits well in a system like this and is going to just push the ball downfield. So I love it. I, I, I think I love all the options in this offense, all the ancillary pieces. Like I just think Gabriel's going to really help this offense. Um, kind of, I think he's probably more like what we wanted Spencer Rattler, Rattler to be, honestly. So yeah, I, I like mean, it. I, I love the marriage between Gabriel and Levy. Um, Gabriel was highly, highly productive at UCF uh, for years. You know, mm -hmm. he was perennially a top five quarterback option. And I think we're going to see more of that this year, too. I'm 100% with you. I think this team is going to, uh, you know, play fast. They're going to throw the ball around the yard. They have some good receiving options. He has this is probably the, the best wide receiver room he's uh, Gabriel has ever had. Oh, yeah. I have pretty high hopes for him for CFF productions here. Do you have any hopes for Gabriel for the NFL draft perspective? Um, not as not as much. I think he's going to stick around the NFL. He said you asked him the sheet if he has an NFL future. I think he does, but it's going to be you know his lack of his arm strength, his size at six foot two hundred is going to hold him back a little bit. He makes a lot of throws, but he doesn't have the arm strength like to push it to the opposite hash or to throw like the arcing rainbow passes like Russell William, Russell Wilson way downfield. You know, he's got a decent enough arm. I think he'll find a spot somewhere as a backup, but I don't think he's going to ever find a starting role in the NFL. So. Yeah. Gabriel's one that uh, Austin and I have butted heads about a little bit here. I think with a huge year at Oklahoma, um, you know, I think his draft capital could surprise some people. Mm -hmm. I think he's still more likely a second round guy. Um, probably more in that Kyle Trask range. And I, you know, that's a guy that Austin likes to compare him to a lot. I think that, yeah, he, he could see the similar draft capital, but I think he's a better player than Trask. Gabriel seems to me like the type of guy who comes into a situation. He's a backup for a couple years and maybe earns some spot starts or as a bridge starter for a couple of years. So you could right. do a lot worse than that at the quarterback position when you're looking at guys who could translate to the next level. And Gabriel's should put up some pretty massive numbers this year. So he is a guy that I'm targeting in uh, in C2C leagues. Yep. Uh, but in terms of the future of the room here, Gabriel uh, has, I think, one year left. Uh, mm -hmm. But I would expect him to head off to the draft after this year. Um, 2022 four-star quarterback Nick Evers came in. Um, and then they did sign, Oklahoma did sign 2023 five-star quarterback, 
and Elite 11 MVP, Jackson Arnold. Um, is, do you have a favorite among these two, or have you gotten a chance to watch Arnold yet at all? I'm a little bit. I did okay. see. I mean, I think Nick Evers will be the guy next year, obviously. Um, you know, after sitting this year and watching Gabriel, I think it makes common sense to put Evers in there. And but Arnold's good enough. He could possibly beat him out. Um, I do like a lot of when I compare these two to each other, I actually thought a lot of they had a lot of the same things that I liked. Um, Evers, is, as I said, he's got a big arm. He throws with anticipation. He moves around the pocket and he's got really good footwork. Uh, mobile, solid runner. Um, but I don't think he's quite as polished and ready as Jackson Arnold is. I mean, Jackson Arnold is a five-star. I mean, he is, he looks it, he plays it. Winning the Elite 11 is a huge thing with that cra- with that class coming up. Um, he's just got a little more velocity on his throws, touch, accuracy. He throws off platform. I mean, he seems to be composed, confident. Like, Arnold's got that swagger. And Nick Evers is, is a damn good quarterback, though. So it's one of those situations where he should be the starter next year. And, you know, then I'll give him a year. Maybe he can hold off Arnold for another year. I, I doubt it. I don't know. Arnold's – I think he's, he's he's the real deal, man. So, Yeah, it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. Uh, Nick Evers is a guy that I liked uh, a lot earlier right. in the offseason here as a guy that I definitely – you know, I was expecting him to step in, take over for Gabriel after he left in a Jeff Levy offense. I like a lot of what Nick Evers brings to the table. You know, he is falling for me a little bit because some reports out of spring are he hasn't looked quite as ready as the staff thought. They did bring in transfer, uh, all name team transfer general booty um, to to round out that room. Um, You know, so it sounds like Nick Evers may not be quite as ready as we thought. So that could be a really close competition next year between Evers and Arnold. Um, It's definitely one I'll be keeping an eye on because I do want the quarterback in this offense. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, I think um, Arnold, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say, we're right, moving was... to the uh, the running back room. Um, they have some pieces here who have gotten a little bit of buzz. You know, Eric Gray was uh, somebody that was getting some hype last year uh, before, you know, um, Kennedy Brooks ended up breaking out and, and really overshadowing Gray. Uh, Marcus Major is a guy who's flashed in some minimum work here. Javante Barnes is a freshman that came in this year. Uh, you know, got some hype this spring. They also bring in Gavin Sawchuck here. Uh, but Jeff Levy is a, a runs an offense that typically spreads the ball around a little bit between the running backs here. Do you have a favorite here that's going to step up and lead this room? Or is this looking like it's going to be pretty solidly a committee? I think it's going to be a committee for now, um, kind of like he did with Snoop Connor and uh, Jerrion Ely. You know, I think Gray Gray, and Marcus Major actually fit those roles pretty well if you look yeah. at it. So Gray is just one of those guys I'm in 100% out on. Like, I just, I feel like he's had every opportunity to step up and he just hasn't seized it. I think he's a pretty good back. I've always liked his change of direction in the open field, his burst. He's a good pass catcher, but I just, there are just times that he just doesn't look very special. You know, that's something we really thought he was going to be. And I've actually liked Major more because I think he's more he's he's a bigger guy at six foot two twenty. He moves really well for that size. He runs with patience. He's difficult to tackle. He's always got his feet moving, great contact balance. So he just seems a lot more consistent. You know, he could definitely provide the thunder to Gray's lightning. Um, but and then but then we get to the freshman and man, I love Barnes. Like I freaking <laughs> love Barnes, man. And I, I don't want to pick one because these both 
both these guys could fit into the same, you put them in the same roles almost too. I mean, Barnes is a three down guy. You know, he's got great build at six foot 205, he runs inside with vision, but he's got great moves when he gets to the second level. Impossible to bring down on first contract and he, and he pass blocks too. And then Sawchuk's that dangerous home run threat, you know, scores every time he touches the ball. He's just so electric and so much fun to watch and gets the ball around the edge real well. Really, really good pass catcher. So <laughs> we could see both those guys fall into the split role again, So, which we don't love for fantasy, but I think all four of these guys will have a role in the NFL, honestly. So. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, I, I see this very similarly, you know, a, a smash and dash, a thunder lightning kind of an approach with Major right. and Gray. Um, and then when they move on, it's just going to be same thing up with Javante Barnes filling Major's role, Sawchuck filling Gray's. Um, Barnes is a guy that I do like a lot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's got good speed, good size, breaks tackles really well. Uh, could improve the wiggle a little bit, not the shiftiest guy, and I think he needs to improve his patience. I, I see him running up into the back of his linemen at times um, when I was watching him, but there's a lot to like about his game, and the coaching staff likes him too. So Great. a lot of talent in this room. Um, speaking of talent in the room, we got the wide receiver room here. Um, Marvin Mims is a guy that came on, flashed early as a freshman. He had you know, a solid year last year. Um, is he the favorite to lead this room here, or are you thinking maybe Theo Weiss? No, it's it's Mims with a bullet. I almost <laughs> put him as my breakout. Um, okay. I just did a I just did a, a write up for him for the nerds a couple weeks ago, and I was, you know, watching him really close. You know, like I wanted to see why he didn't take the step forward that we kind of thought he would. You know, he had a really solid freshman year, a solid year last year, but you know, he really didn't have as much competition for the targets. And he's just a big play dude. I mean, he's got great hands. He works downfield despite being only six foot or not six foot, 5'11, 180. He understands how to manipulate defensive backs. And he's in that offense in Oklahoma. I mean, they're always seem to have wide receivers open 50 yards downfield, I swear. Um, <laughs> I put that Mims doesn't have like this elite long speed, but he is always behind, always behind defenses. Like, I, I think. One thing that I kind of noticed when I watched him really close is he almost has like a loping style to the way he plays that it kind of baits him. And next thing you know, he's behind him, you know, and that's something that may not work as good in the NFL because he doesn't have that elite long speed, but he just, he sells what he's doing really well and knows how to find the spots in the defense. So, and I think he's going to be Dylan Gabriel's best friend. I mean, they're going to just absolutely ball out this year. So. Yeah, I think a big year is coming from Mims too. You know, the the slot wide receiver typically is the one that thrives in Levy's offense. Uh, you know, we saw that with Elijah Moore. We saw it with Ontario Drummond in Ole Miss. I think that's the role Mims is going to play as well. But Mims isn't your traditional slot receiver in that, like you said, he can also take the top off a of defense. He can stretch the seam, which made it a little bit of an awkward eval for me when projecting him to the pros. It's difficult right. to project, Tricky. yeah, seam stretching slot guys, but I think he can offer a little bit more than that. But, you know, so I, I think he's probably a day two type of a guy uh, in terms of the NFL draft, but I think Mims is going to have a huge year this year for CFF. Right. And then as far as everybody else, I mean, Theo Weiss, I feel like I put, man, so much promise. <laughs> I, pro- I probably still have him on a few rosters somewhere. <laughs> Um, he's a guy that when he came out, you know, I thought he was a guy that would break the sideline well. 
a really good catch radius. He just can't seem to get on the field and get the role. I mean, even every once in a while he'll play a game and you see it. You see flashes of the talent. And I don't even want to say this kid's name, Jaleel Farouk, I guess. Yeah. Um, I also hope he gets more of a role. He's got tons of speed, like speed for days, great, great yak ability, great hands, very reliable, smart route runner. So he's another guy who, I mean, if they, he gets that role, I mean, Gabriel's going to throw the ball 400 something times probably. It's going to be an offense that's going to be pushing the ball downfield. So there's easily enough room for a couple 1,000 yard receivers here. And Nick Anderson, I'm not as high on him. I haven't watched him a whole lot, but I like the I like how smooth he played. But it's also one thing I didn't like. He didn't seem like he was very sudden. He didn't have like a lot of crisp moves, you know, like in his game. It seemed just very like I don't know, lackadaisical. I don't know to use a if that's a word that Barnabas will let me use. Um, he has <laughs> phenomenal hands, catches everything thrown his way. I just worry about his. He just didn't seem very like electric or crisp or, you know, he just, I, I don't know. I just didn't like a whole lot of why don't I watched him. So. Yeah. I'm a little lower on four star um, Nick Anderson this year too. Um, you know, and, and you summed up Weiss and Farouk very well too. One guy that I'm very interested in is, um, you know, Arizona state transfer LV Bunkley Shelton. Oh, I uh, about know, him. Yeah. yeah he, he plays the slot. So, you know, he'll probably be behind Mims this year, but if Mims heads to the NFL, you know, I think we could see Bunkley Shelton step in in 2023 so, and be very productive in a Jeff Levy offense. So I think this was a boon for LV Bunkley Shelton transferring to Oklahoma and getting into this oh, system. He's a guy that I'm holding in a lot of places. So I, I got to hope for something here, you know? Yeah, it's like the, the candy man. If we just say it three times, it'll eventually come true. So. <laughs> LV Bunkie, LV Bunkie, come on, we got to will him into existence. All right. Um, in the tight end room here, Austin Stogner uh, transfers out. He follows Spencer Rattler to South Carolina. Uh, next leading guy in the room seems to be Braden Willis. Uh, 15 <laughs> catches, 177 yards, two touchdowns last year. But, you know, is this a guy that – is this a room you're targeting with the tight end here? Is there anybody you're interested in? Um, not 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 Willis or Daniel Parker, but if Caden Helms can somehow prove that he's ready, uh, most freshman tight end aren't. You know, not everybody's right. Brock Bowers. Um, I actually like Helms quite a bit, but I think he's also transitioning from a wide receiver. He played a lot of wide receiver in high school. He's kind of tall, kind of lean. He needs to bulk up and, and get better at being a tight end. Uh, probably will project kind of to a role like Stogner had, you know, Stogner wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but so I like Helms a lot. I think he's, he's got double moves, ball skills, ball tracking, things that you like from a wide receiver converting over to a tight end. He's just, I just don't think he'll be on the, I think he'll take a little bit of time to get ready. Yeah, I, I agree as well. He's a guy that's a stash and hope there. I do like, uh, there's a lot, I think, to like about Helms's game. So, yeah. you know, if, if, if you're stashing some tight ends late, he's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, moving into Oklahoma State here, they bring back Spencer Sanders for what seems like his seventh <laughs> year there. Uh, he just, you know, he started as early as a freshman year, you know, showed some promise, uh, particularly as a rusher, but hasn't really been able to stay healthy at times. He got banged up a couple times here and just really never took the step forward as a passer uh, pretty much hovers right around that 62% completion percentage. He's yet to go over 30, uh, 3000 yards passing. Uh, he hit 20 touchdowns last year, but that was his ceiling there. 
Um, at this point, I think we can kind of say Spencer Sanders is what he is, and that's a good college producer. And, you know, are we seeing anything for the NFL here? No, not nothing really. I think he's he's gotten a little better each year, although some of his stats like yards per attempt and his quarterback rating have declined. But it seems like he's cleaned up some aspects of his game. He's gotten he's his yards went up to almost three thousand last year. He definitely can push the ball downfield, but he's just going to have those games where he's absolutely lost and throwing interceptions and totally sinks your team. So it's, he's one of those guys that just he's kind of maddening. You think by this point, I can't believe he's only been in three years. So like like you I said, it feels, feels like it's been seven. Like, yeah, it, it feels like he's been around for forever, but you know he'll have right. another year after this if he wants it, since he was there for twenty twenty. Um, but he, he does bring something with his legs, you know, 668 oh, yeah. yards rushing last mm-hmm. year, six touchdowns. So, you know, I think there's definitely something there in that regard. You know, like you said, he can be maddening and frustrating, but in best ball, I think he's great. Yeah. Um, but uh, moving into the most interesting part of the room, um, you know, one of, uh, one of the most interesting parts of this offense is the RB battle. Uh, gone is Jalen Warren. He's he led the back led the backfield in carries last year, 256 carries, 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns, 25 catches. Um, you know, it seems like Dominic Richardson, who was the guy who was the backup last year, 79 carries for him, uh, and then he is also locked in a battle with uh, true freshman Ali Gordon, uh, who did suffer an injury in the spring. Um, you know, are you leaning more Richardson or more Gordon here? Uh, what are your thoughts on this room? It, it's Richardson, I think. By by, I don't think it's as close as we like we want to think it is. <laughs> um, I think he's the next guy up. I mean, he's the one everybody's investing their draft capital in. I uh, think he can handle that huge workload. You know, six foot, two hundred ten. He's shown really good pass catching chops and his limited work. Um, I like his balance, his contact balance. He always gets extra yardage after first contact. He's got a good burst through the line. He can make people miss in one-on-one situations, but he's definitely more of a north-south guy. Um, when he tries to go outside, he just doesn't really have that lateral agility. So I definitely think he needs to focus on going north and south. And Ollie's, I mean, he's an, he's impressive. And Oklahoma State seems to have this little factory of guys who at least are CFF producers and at least are C to C, you know, and they may not ever be too much in the NFL, like Chuba Hubbard, you know, type of stuff like that but they do tend to have pretty good offenses that focus on the running backs. And Ollie's, he did look really impressive in camp. I mean, he's six foot one, 210 pounds, but he runs like he's as big as Derrick Henry. And he's powerful, quick feet, runs very confidently. So I was really impressed with what I saw from Ollie in camp. And I, I still think it's Dom. I call him Dom Rich. Dom Rich's <laughs> job, shorten everything. Yeah. I think Richardson will probably be the one to, to lead the room here, but uh, you know, I, can't hope coming away impressed with Ali. So there's definitely some hope there that if Ali can impress, he could seize this job and be a fantasy relevant guy, fantasy producer for like three, four years. Um, that's at least the hope with him. But moving into the wide receiver room here, uh, the Oklahoma State offense is one that typically has a high producer, you know, from a James Washington type to, um, you know, Tylen Wallace was there last year. We didn't really know who, or it was two years ago. We didn't really know who it was going to be last year. Tay Martin ended up being the one to step up. He had a very <laughs> productive this year. Um, being the outside guy that we want here, um, seems like the battle is going to be between Jaden Bray 
2021 recruit and true freshman 2022 guy, Talon Shetron. Do you have a favorite among those two? Um, you didn't mention Brennan Presley. Um, right. <laughs> I, I, yeah. For me, I think it's, I, I expect it to be Bray this year. I still think he's the guy there that you want to own primarily for, especially for this year. I think he's got, I like a lot about his, like his massive catch radius. He's got like a dog in him when the ball's in the air, he's strong, very aggressive, attacks the ball. Um, he's got room to grow though, too. He's still a little bit raw and he, but he needs to learn to create separation. So he doesn't have, to, I feel like he works really hard in his routes and to catch the ball. Whereas if he could just create separation a little bit better, he wouldn't have to work so hard maybe. So I do like Bray quite a bit this year. Um, long-term, it's definitely Shetron, though. I mean, he could. I think he's going to put it all together, be the next great Cowboys wide receiver. I think he's big. He's got that catch radius, big play, big play receiver. He's got that basketball background, the hops. You know, he's got serious hops, high-pointing. He knows how to use his body in contested situations. It's really, really good for a freshman wide receiver. So uh, he's definitely more of a straight-line guy, uh, doesn't change directions very fluidly but he's a very impressive athlete. I mean, he's just overall very, very promising. And I, I like him quite a bit long-term. So. Yeah. And you touched on his athleticism. I think that's the biggest thing that separates him and Bray for me is right. Shetron is very, very similar to Bray. They both play stylistically very similar. Shetron is just a little bit better of an athlete, which makes right. me think that, you know, Jaden Bray, probably the guy who starts out this year, but I don't think it's going to be too long until we see Talon Shetron really put his mark on this offense. So I'm with you. He's the long-term play for me. And like you said, I did forget Brennan Presley. Um, forgot the little guy. forgot the slot guy there. Very productive last year. 50 right. catches, yeah. 619 yards, five touchdowns. Um, you know, Do you have any hope for him here with, with this year? Yeah, I did. It's a guy I've been targeting a little bit later because he's a slot guy. He's a little more consistent. You know, he's a guy that will catch, you know, eight to 10 passes most games. A very, very crisp, sharp route runner, creates separation with ease. And then he's got enough speed to be good after the catch. Not Doesn't have the greatest hands. Definitely not very physical. He's a slot guy. But I think he's kind of a more of a consistent guy, a guy that you can throw, you know, on there. And, you know, when the bye weeks start coming through and things like that, he could fill in your wide receiver three, you know, flex, whatever, four, whatever you got, a guy who will probably just be a solid producer, consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Just steady Eddie, you know, you know what you're going to get from him Um, into the tight end room here. There's not really anybody that I care about in this room, but the only thing I will say about this room is don't fall for the Shetron trap. (laughs) Talon Shetron's brother is an incoming freshman at the tight end position. Um, so if you see Shetron, if you see T Shetron, uh, don't fall for it. The other Shetron that's listed as a tight end is Tabri Shetron. You know, maybe there's some hope for him, but probably not. Uh, just don't make that mistake drafting him. Incredibly mean. We got to teach these mothers to name their kids <laughs> different. Come on now. <laughs> exactly. Or go to a different school or, or something. something there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but right, we'll move into TCU here. Uh, this is a team undergoing a, a pretty big change. You know, Gary Patterson had been there for a long time, uh, and it just seemed like it was time for a mutual splitting there. They bring in Sonny Dykes, uh, former head coach from SMU. 
Sonny Dykes brings with him a very interesting offense. Uh, you know, he made Tanner Mordecai one of the more productive wide re- or, uh, quarterbacks last year. Um, you know, so so we like the option. We like the quarterback in, in Sonny Dykes' offense here. But I don't know about you, but this is one of the hardest rooms to read for me between Max Dugan uh, and uh, Chandler Morris. Oh, yeah, normally in, in all these situations like this, I would side with the incumbent. But I feel like Max Duggan has held back this team for a long freaking time. Like he's he's always been just kind of a meh quarterback. And then Morris gets a shot later on later in the year last year, and he threw for 461 yards, rushed for 70 yards in, in a game where they beat Baylor, who was the who was the Big 12 champion. You know, they yeah. end up yeah, he looked impressive in that game. So I think it's something that offense has been missing, a dynamic element that he can, you know, his other games are not quite as good as that one. You know, he did have a couple of them where he was kind of, eh. so, but why not give Morris the chance yeah, at this point? You know, I, I think we've seen what Duggan is. We know what Duggan is and he's just, he's not it. So I, I think, yeah. And then you got on the outside <laughs> looking in, you got, you put on here, Sam Jackson. I said, and if, and if Morris doesn't work, I would give Samuel L the nod before I went back to Duggan. <laughs> I mean, they're, yeah, they're almost the same size. Both are right at six foot, 180 pounds. They're smaller quarterbacks. And Jackson's got a freaking cannon. And I mean, he's just, he's raw, but he's, he's so electric with the ball in his hands. A dangerous, dangerous runner cuts on a dime, you know, at full speed. He's a lot of fun to watch, but he's raw. And, but I, I can't see going back to Duggan at this point. And if you really want to take this offense to the next level, I think you can't go back to Duggan. Yeah, I, I agree. If if I had to pick one, if I was in uh, Sonny Dykes here, I would be championing for Chandler Morris. Right. Um, I, I think that, like you said, we know what Duggan in is at this point and not really been that impressive. Um, but it sounds like this is truly a competition here. Doesn't sound like it's going to be one that's going to be decided early in camp. So in terms of this room, I am just waiting and I will take the cheapest guy. But it is somebody that I want. So, you know, if they both right. keep falling, I don't mind following the uh, the patented Colin strategy of drafting them both and cutting whichever one loses. Um, and then into the running back room here, uh, they lose highly regarded running back Zach Evans. Uh, from He transfers out, transfers to Ole Miss. Uh, they do still have Kendry Miller on the roster. Uh, they have Amani Bailey, formerly from University of Louisiana, ULL. He transfers in as well. Um, you know, what's your read on this backfield here? Are you thinking it's Kendry Miller? Are you intrigued by Bailey? It, it's a tough read also. Um, I think, you know, Bailey looked pretty darn good over at Louisiana. He had a 642 yards, 6.3 yards per clip. You know, eight touchdowns, 15 receptions. He looked pretty impressive in a situation that, you know, a school that loves to feature their running backs and knows how to use their running backs. But Kendry Miller was not bad either. I mean, at six foot, 206 pounds, I mean, he's got, he averaged over seven yards a carry and also caught 12 balls. I mean, both of them looked really impressive last year. So for my money, it's Miller. And I think that kind of seems to be where everybody's going in CFF drafts as well. I mean, Miller's been hovering right around sixth, seventh round. Um, he's very impressive, dangerous, dangerous runner, and it gets north south very, very quickly. And then he's got moves to get through the hole. I saw him use this dead leg multiple times. I, I love that when a running back does that. I mean, it's one of my favorite 
things and I wish I could do it, but I, I'm, I would look probably really, un, I tried to do it to my dog once and almost killed myself. Um, he's got impressive, his power through contact is just amazing. Good long speed bursts. I mean, he looks like a part of a good feature back and I mean, losing Zach Evans hurt, but I, he's a little bit of a head case anyways. So, I mean, this is a good problem to have, but I think I give Miller a slight edge, but I would not be surprised to see Bailey take a pretty good chunk of it too. So. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at as well. Like, you know, Miller looked good in in some limited work last year. 83 carries, 623 yards, seven touchdowns. Um, you know, looked good, but I don't think. And this is a new head coach, so you know, he doesn't really have any ties to Miller. I do think we're going to see more of a committee, like a one A one B type of a situation, at least early on in the year between Miller and, and Bailey, unless somebody can separate themselves there. Um, right. The, uh, the most interesting player on this team here is wide receiver Quentin Johnston, QJ. Uh, is he a future stud? I mean, I've seen some people put him up as high as, as the wide receiver, too. I've, I've heard some talk about him jumping Boutte. Right. Yeah, I've seen some tweets recently that if there was anybody that can beat Boutte or JSN, it's Kate. It's Quentin Johnson, and I'm not quite in that boat, but um, I actually talked about him a little bit on the uh, Debbie Big Board the other day with, with Skip. Um, I'm happy that this quarterback changed. I'm happy that Dykes is in town because I feel like Quentin Johnson's been held back by this team for several years now. Um, he's not quite a wide receiver, that tier one. You know, like I think we had in our Debbie guide, we had him in mm-hmm. the tier one. Yep. For me, he's just a shade below that. Um, I do think he can, I, things I love about him. He's impressive. He catches everything. He's got great hands. He has that my ball mentality, very aggressive attacking the ball. He explodes off the line and has decent burst. You know, there's things that a lot of wide receivers, his size with his, with the way he plays don't have, you know, they don't have that burst off the line, you know, or the, you know, they don't create separation right off the bat like he does. Um, he is a yak monster. He's lean, strong, quick. I just really just want to see him take over this offense. I mean, we saw a glimpse of it in that game versus, was it Texas or Oklahoma, where he had like three touchdowns, like 190 yards. I want to say it was Oklahoma. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not and quite I want to, sure. And I want to see him like work on his route tree. Like, I don't think he does a lot of different things. And I want to see him really assert himself more in the red zone, which also might come down to the offense and the quarterback. So, so maybe some things that he doesn't have as much control over, but I would like to see him be a little more dominant before I put him in that because Keishon Boutte has had some bad quarterbacks and has looked unreal, you know? Yeah. So I know it's not apples to apples, but you know, I, I'd like to see him be a little bit more dominant. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It was the Oklahoma game. I just pulled it up here. Seven for 185 and three touchdowns. Um, so he has potential to absolutely go off. You know, we've mm-hmm. seen it. He's got alpha wide receiver size. He's a good athlete as well. I'm with you. I need to see more refinement. I want to see him take over this offense, but I, I think he has potential to be a very high end CFF producer. Sonny Dykes likes to throw the ball a lot. And we've seen in his time at SMU, there have been some highly productive college wide receivers there. So, you know, definitely from a college perspective, I think he's going to have a really nice year from a pro perspective and NFL draft perspective. I, I think he has a good shot to go day one as well, which will put right. him. Oh, definitely. He's going to be up there regardless. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to put him in, in category, you know, first round rookie draft category there um, next year. And then beyond him, 
Uh, it seems like you know they, they bring in two talented freshmen here, DJ Allen uh, and Jordan Hudson, both four-star guys. It seems like they're making some noise early. At least Hudson was. Um, you know, is this a battle for the future here? Who you got between Allen and Hudson? Uh, for me, it's Allen by a lot, and I think. I think they're both impressive athletes and it feels like that's the things that Sonny Dykes can do to this program is bring in these guys that are, you know, that bring that renewed energy, that different type of player and that they need to compete in the big 12. So Alan, I think he's the future impressive overall athlete he plays all over the field, deceptive route runner has great top end speed. He tracks balls, deep balls, well, sticky hands. I think he fits that mold of what the, the NFL receivers are nowadays, you know, a little bit more versatile, Good size at 5'11, 190, but not like overwhelmingly giant, you know, or overwhelmingly small. You know, just kind of like a guy that can do everything. And Hudson, I mean, he's not bad either, though. Like it's yeah. what a it's not like it's a terrible consolation prize and a, a bad one B or anything. I mean, he's I thought he was really refined. I really liked watching what he did as far as from a technical aspect. I think he's great after the catch. He runs well, he uses angles well to create like mismatched and missed tackles, things like that. Strings move together really well. He uses his hips and his footwork to create separation and leverage, particularly in short areas. He needs to add a little bit of mass, six foot one, 180 is a little, little slim. And he needs to work on his release because he wasn't jammed in high school, like at all. And his, his acceleration is a little bit slower, but he still gets, when he gets that top end, he's got some top end speed. So not just basically not quite as electric, maybe a little more refined and a little more, you know, of a technical receiver, whereas Allen's got the, uh, I think he's got the potential to be like a legit one wide receiver one. So. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm with you there on, on DJ Allen. He would be my pick for this room. Um, we at the site are very high on him, most of us. Um, and then in the tight end room, there's not really anybody that I'm all that interested in. There's a couple intriguing names. Um, Jared Wiley is there. Um, they have... Uh, I can't remember the guy who was supposed to go to Cal and then ended up there. Um, but if his name's escaping me, not all that interested in him. Uh, exactly. Is there anybody you're interested in this room at all, or are you ready to move on here to Texas, no, the other all, big man. boy? Let's get the other big boy. It's Quinn right. time, baby. <laughs> here we go. We got all uh, superstar quarterback Quinn Ewers transferring into Texas. Uh, the platinum mullet himself. Um, some people love him. Some people are skeptical. Uh, is he ready for his close up here, Mr. Dwight Mill? <laughs> well, if, if he's not, I mean, they have done everything they can. <laughs> like, my literally word for word is he's got the talent. There's nothing else we can say. Now it's time for him to show that he's got it. It's, it's his ball. He beat out Hudson Card. They've surrounded him with elite talent all over the field. Now it's time to show what he's got. You know, he's we've seen in high school, which was like feels like four years ago at this point, but it's been, <laughs> I think, two, a good solid two years since he's played. Uh, he's got pocket presence. He's got the arm. He's got accuracy with velocity. Uh, on the run, he's great. His mechanics are great. He throws a touch, anticipation. Got a great, beautiful deep ball. Uh, he was a little bit reckless at times, but, you know, what junior in high school isn't? Um, and he got away with it because he's he's good. So, I, but I think he's got, he's smart enough and he's got some time to soak it up. I mean, he soaked up all of Ohio State's goodness last year. He's got some chance to learn. So hopefully he's smarter and can clean up those parts of his game. No excuses. 
it, I mean, reins are off. It's yours. So yeah, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you there. So you're not really buying the the Ewers versus Card battle as a real battle no, here. No, no, no. <laughs> I think there's too much at stake at this point. You know, like it's just too much. To, yeah, I mean, yeah. you can't you can't give the ball to Card even if he played better. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, you know Hudson Card for as much as I was hyping him up last year, you know, that's mm-hmm. chalk that one up. Big miss on my end here. He's he's got all the talent. Uh, physically just could mm-hmm. not really put it together mentally really struggled against pressure you know yeah they say it's going to be a batter a battle and i think there is a you know five to ten percent chance that hudson card truly does start week one and then gets blown up against alabama in week two and then they turn to yours at some point there so mm-hmm. You know, would that surprise me? No, but I do think Ewers is the more talented guy, and he'll he'll get the ball sooner rather than later. And in a Sark offense, I think he's going to put up some big numbers. Oh um, yeah, huge. Yeah, big numbers in college. You know, very very likely uh, path to early round one draft capital here. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a he's he's a guy that I'm very high on as well. Um, you know, and then at that point. Malik Murphy, a guy that they bring in this year, uh, a four-star guy. Do you have any hope here for Murphy at all, or is he just somebody you're out on? No, I'm actually not out on Murphy. I I really hope that he finds a job somewhere. I think the writing's on the wall that it's not going to be at Texas. Um, I think he's got a transfer. I always, I loved his size, six foot four, 225. He's got a freaking cannon, like one of the best arms in the class. You know, he's, he had good pocket footwork, his personality. I mean, he's one of those guys like Nico, you know, people just gravitate to him, you know, and he's just very likable. And I thought he had a lot of things to like, you know, and he, he did some work, you know, he wasn't perfect. He had to work on extending plays, knowing when to run better. He's got good mobility, but didn't seem to use it as well as he could have. So he's a guy I like a lot. And I think it, when, when all this kind of went down and Ewers and, you know, now Arch is going to be there breathing down his neck too. So I don't think there's going to be any chance for him. I think he's got to transfer after this year. Um, I'd love to see him at another power five program like UCLA or, you know, I want him to have a good shot. So I still like Malik Murphy quite a bit and I'm definitely not out on him. So Yeah. He's got a big arm. He's got a lot of tools there. It, it you know, just got to transfer. It's, it's tough for me to rely on a transfer. So I've moved him pretty far down my board me too yeah um but like you touched on um arch manning a five-star quarterback coming into texas this was you know probably the most sought after recruit that i can remember um you know there was a lot of hype around him here uh do do we think he has any shot at actually unseating ewers in in arch matt arch manning's freshman year here or is this a ewers to Arch Manning progression. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, unless Ewers just totally bombs or, you know, doesn't, like, unless he does the Spencer Rattler thing, you know, where he looked great as a freshman and then, or his first year, and then he kind of, you saw some of the cracks in the foundation. But I think Ewers is a, Ewers is a better prospect than Manning. I mean, I hear the same things everybody does about Manning, he says about Manning. I haven't looked, I haven't watched him a whole lot, but everybody, you know, talks about the interceptions against inferior competition the lack of participation in camps, you know, how he shouldn't be a five-star and 1.000, you know, how he's not even the top 
three wide running quarterbacks in the class. You know, this stuff is going to take a little bit of his toll, but he's a smart guy and he's going to be, you may put him at quarterback five in this class, but I, I would put his mental game over everybody in this class because he's a Manning. I mean, look at who he's had for teachers his whole life. I mean, I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I don't, just don't know if he's going to be the second coming that people want him to be. I said, maybe he's more Eli than Peyton. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good, uh, that, that's a good way to phrase it. You know, I mean, he might be a little more Eli than Peyton. Um, Which is still not bad. Yeah. Know? It's not bad at all. That's a, a guy that some people are arguing should be a hall of famer. Um, right. You know, so I, <laughs> I, I'm with you though. I, I think, Arch gets a little bit of a bump because of his name, but yeah. uh, I've, you know, I've seen some other people out there say that he would be a three star if he didn't have that name. And I'm not going to go that That was far. a little bit ridiculous. But. Yeah. I, I think he is definitely there mentally. One of the sharpest mental players, uh, yeah. quarterbacks in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be a really nice transition. I think from Ewers into Arch Manning after he sits for a year. Um, but we'll move into the running back here, and they are Texas is also loaded at the running back spot. They have Bijan Robinson, uh, who is the one one in a lot of people's books right now. Uh, last year, big year. Um, you know, he had fourteen hundred yards from scrimmage, fifteen touchdowns. He contributes in the passing game. He's a big guy, fast, athletic. You know, there's not really a lot to not like about this guy. Is Bijan a first round? NFL draft running back for you here? Oh, absolutely. We don't have to elaborate on this anymore. It's, <laughs> I mean, he's one of the one of the rare guys that should go in the top ten. So. Checks a lot of boxes. Yeah, um, so he's as complete as it gets, man. Yeah, and, and then you know behind him, um, Jonathan Brooks has been getting a little bit of buzz here this summer. Jonathan Brooks was a, a guy from the uh, 2021 class here. Um, Jaden Blue. Uh, is a guy that we are very high on at the site. Uh, Jaden Blue, the running back, not the wide receiver. Um, just something to note there for anybody who might be looking up Jaden Blue. Um, he's a guy that was higher in the recruiting services entering his senior year. Sits out his senior year of high school football, which is not something we see all that often. And then he drops in the recruiting rankings. So... You know, he's coming in with a little bit of not tarnish, but, you know, not as not as much hype as some other people here. Um, You know, who are we thinking the next guy up here between Blue and Brooks is? You know, I know I'm firmly in the Blue camp. What are your thoughts? You're my boy, Blue. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Said he's not he's not quite the level of Bijan, but man, what an embarrassment of wealth to get back-to-back backs like Bijan and Blue. I mean, Blue has got the the size at 5'11", 205, contact balance, finishes runs. I mean, he averaged almost 10 yards a carry against elite Texas competition. Takes multiple guys to wrap him up, and he slips out of tackles like they're nothing. I mean, and then on top of that, he's got track speed. Yep. And, you know, sudden movements in tight space. It's just, man, wow. He's going to be a good one. Not 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 quite Bijan level, but holy smokes, not not far off. Yeah. Yeah. They move uh, another position where they move from one very high end prospect into another Um, in the wide receiver room. They have Xavier worthy, massive, massive freshman year this past year Uh, looks poised to do it again this year with, especially with an upgrade in quarterback and one that likes to push the ball downfield, which plays to his strengths Um, is Xavier worthy, worthy 
of a first round NFL pick here for you? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like we have, we have put so much stock in the size, mm-hmm. you know, I love his talent is undeniable, but six foot one, one sixty is really freaking scary. Small. Like, I mean, we were worried about Devontae Smith and this kid's smaller than Devontae yep. Smith. So, I mean, but the things to love, he's got that speed. I mean, it's absolutely elite. I mean, you have to account for where he is on the field at all times. You know, and they move him around. They find the mismatches. And even with his small size, he's not easy to tackle. Like, he uses angles really well by, for, by you know, he forces a lot of mistangle tackles because he doesn't let anybody hit him directly because he's quick as hell. You know, and then I don't like – so other than the size, I mean, sometimes he lets the ball come in on his hands too much. I mean, but those are his two biggest concerns. And that speed will probably get him first round by itself. I mean, we've seen – John Ross get first round. Come on now. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a first round guy, but I'm I don't know if he's an elite wide receiver. For me, it's it's close, but yeah, I, I agree with you on that front too. I think he will probably go in the first round given the speed. He's gonna have some early production. Um, you know, at Texas, he's gonna have production over the course of his other years. So when you package all that together, probably a first round guy. Whether he deserves it or not, we'll see. Um, moving into the number two guy in that room, um, they have returning wide receiver Jordan Whittington. Um, you know, he was productive last year. They bring in a wide receiver from Wyoming, Isaiah Nayor, uh, who's gotten some hype. There's definitely some stands of his out there. And then they bring in a, a former high recruit last year, I believe high four-star guy uh, who went to Alabama, Aguille Hall, uh, flashed in the spring did nothing during the year, and now he transfers and follows Sark to Texas. Uh, if you have to put your money on one, which one are you putting your money on for the second wide receiver in this room? Yeah, it, it's Nair for me, and it's just because I, th- I think he's across from he, he complements he complements Worthy really well. Like I think Nair is a different type of receiver. He's got great ball skills, tracking, attacks at high points, great hands. He always catches it away from his body but he doesn't have elite speed. You know, he does take a little while to build up that top speed. He needs to work on technique, but, you know, but coming from a small school program, that's something, you know, you kind of sort of expect a little bit, you know, he's, he relied on his athleticism a little bit there, but I, I think he's got the chance to grow and be a really good wide receiver too there. I mean, like obviously not as high, as good a numbers as worthy as, but he should be a guy that gets a thousand yards and eight to 10 touchdowns. I mean, it's, it's, I like him quite a bit. Hall, I'm done. I mean, I, I've seen the talent. I'm just tired of the BS, you know, the maturity crap. If he hits, he hits. Happy, good for you. Knock yourself out. I'm not going to be yawning him when he happens. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, if he hits, I'm happy for the guy. But I'm, I don't have no IGIE Hall or IGIE, however you say it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, obviously- I'm done. And then, <laughs> yeah. And Whittington's a great complimentary receiver. He's he's not going to have big weeks or steady production, not a guy you can rely on. He could end up with 75 catches for 800 yards and seven touchdowns and never be startable in a single week. You know, he's just, he's a steady guy that, you know, good wide receiver three on an offense that's going to have a lot of yardage, but I just think he's not reliable enough to start. Yeah. And, you know, he's been plagued by injuries too. So we got to see him stay on the field. Um, I'm with you on Hall, though. I mean, obviously, never root for a kid to fail, but right, this, right. you know, the writing is kind of on the wall with him. He he was he bounced around a couple high schools. Now he's transferred mm-hmm. already in his first year. Um, 
there was some rumblings about some off-field stuff early. You know, he wasn't the happiest at Texas right away here too. So, right. mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm if he hits, it'll be a miss on my part. So I, yeah, I'm with exactly. you in the in the Isaiah Nayor camp. Uh, and then they're connected to, you know, five-star Jonte Cook. They're connected to some other four-stars in this 2023 class here too. So just seems like they're going to keep rolling in the talent there at Texas. Right. Um, I haven't. I haven't watched Cook a whole lot, but holy hell. I mean, what I saw whew, is really good. Yeah. <laughs> very, very quick. <laughs> I was really impressed with a little bit I saw. So, Yeah, so they got a lot of talent coming in there, too. Um, at the tight end position, they have a couple interesting guys. Uh, they bring in Jaleel Billingsley, a transfer from Alabama. Uh, he follow, you know, he heads over there with Sark, too. And then they have a, a five-star athlete from the 2020 one class there in Jatavian Sanders, who looks like he's going to play the tight end position here. Um, I'm pretty firmly in the Sanders camp. I'm a little worried about Billingsley's size here, but you know, who, who do you got between Billingsley and Sanders? Yeah. I saw you did our write up on Sanders. I was like, Oh, he'll be on my side. Um, <laughs> Billingsley is, it just, isn't it. I mean, he's proved it over and over. He had timely drops in the, in the title game. He's ineffective and consistent. I mean, he has a, he has a couple of games here and there, but I'm just out as far as him as a talent. I think he's just kind of just a guy. You know, he might find a role in the NFL. But Sanders, on the other hand, I love his. I mean, he's just a pure athlete at six foot four, two hundred fifty five pounds. That size is be athletic as he is is, is super duper impressive. Uh, great hands, understands how to run routes. He's got speed and can track the ball deep. For for a tight end is crazy you know so coming he's got some very good natural wide receiver traits you know so i think he could be in for a huge rise and he's a guy who could greatly greatly raise in cost this year yeah. <laughs> over uh i think we had him at our tight end six in the guide and he's a guy who could shoot right up there with trig and i mean he could take a meteoric rise this off this year yeah yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Sanders as well there. The athleticism's there. I think he catches the ball well. He can put up production in this Texas offense because Billingsley's too small, I think, to play in line. So I think that's where right. Sanders can really secure a role there. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Sanders as well. So he's a guy I'm targeting. All right, but we'll move in here to uh, another team uh, undergoing a, a lot of changes here, and that's Texas Tech. Uh, they bring in Jeff McGuire as the head coach. They bring in Zach Kitley as the offensive coordinator. Zach Kitley, famously the offensive coordinator for that high-flying Western Kentucky offense last year. Um, this seems like an offense that we really want to target, uh, given the production that it had last year, the production that it had at the FCS level as well. Um, but we don't really know who the quarterback's going to be at this point. It seems like they're locked in a three-way race between Tyler Shuck, uh, Donovan Smith, and Baron Morton. Uh, do you have a favorite out of these three? Yeah, I have trouble trusting anybody whose name is spelled show, but it's pronounced Shuck. <laughs> it's like the whole Patrick Waugh thing. Like I used to hate him as a player because his <laughs> last name was spelled Roy. But it was pronounced anyway. No, I'm just kidding. All right. I really want Donovan Smith to win very, very badly. I think Shuck has been just an unimpressive quarterback. Like he's six foot five, 220 pounds. He's got the size, strong arm, but he was just crazy inconsistent at Oregon. His footwork's sloppy. His at times he'd look really great, and at times he'd look just poop. 
And but if he does somehow win the job, I think he's going to put up good numbers. You know, like but as far as my favorite, I really want Donovan Smith. I, I like his size. He's six foot five, two hundred thirty pounds, but he's built different. He's built like like a athlete. I mean, he is crazy. He looks impressive. <laughs> his mobility is a lot better. He looked really impressive at the helm in twenty twenty one. Not an overwhelmingly strong arm, but he can get the ball anywhere he needs to, and he's he's got good ball placement. He just seems like a more consistent guy with a much higher upside. Still raw, you know, so he could. And once again, he'll probably put up great numbers and improve as well. So would Baron Morton. <laughs> so I think <laughs> all quarterbacks would be really good, and I think Morton may have the most upside of these guys, but I don't think he's ready. I think he needs to add a little more size. You know, but what I saw in high school was impressed. I was impressed with him quite a bit coming out. He's an accurate kid. He throws the ball with velocity all over the field. I mean, he's very nimble in the pocket, and he just has the knack to make a big play. Uh, when the plays break down, he takes off when he needs to, and he's a pretty decent runner, and he's a gunslinger, which is exactly what Kitley needs. So, I mean, if I have given my druthers, I want Smith, and I've invested with him, but I... I think any of them are going to be great. I think Smith has the best upside now. Maybe Morton does for the long term. But uh, I, I would just have a sinking feeling it's going to be Shuck. So. Yeah, I, I do think Shuck's going to end up being the one who wins this. Donovan Smith was very impressive, though, limited work, like you said, last mm-hmm. year. Uh, he's a mobile guy as well, so he can bring another element to that offense. My only concern with Smith is I don't – think that Kitley is looking for that element to his offense right. that Smith can bring. I think Smith would do better in a different system. Uh, I think this is more Shuck and Morton tailored system. Uh, I think it's going to be better for one of those two. So I do think Shuck wins it. Baron Morton, uh, you know, we said on the QB, I said on the QB summit, he's a guy that I'm kind of planting my flag on here. I, I think that he takes over at some point this year. Uh, and I think he's absolutely perfect for Kitley's system. Like you said, he's a gunslinger. He's accurate. Uh, you know, he he checks a lot of the boxes that what Kitley's going to want there. And uh, he's my pick for the future. I'm I'm fairly high on uh, Baron Morton. Oh yeah. Um, moving into the running back room here, a little bit less desirable in a Kitley offense, but there is still some production to go around. Noah Whittington was solid last year uh, in that Western Kentucky offense. They do bring back Sir Roderick Thompson. Uh, they also bring back Taj Brooks, both of whom uh, were pretty productive last year. Um, they split the work fairly evenly, though. Uh, do you have a favorite between Sir Roderick Thompson and Taj Brooks? Are you interested in these guys? Um, not particularly. I like that you put Sir Roderick of the round table because that's often <laughs> I often think that when I see it. It's Sir Roderick. <laughs> Sir Roderick Van Thompson of Liechtenstein. Um, no, uh, I think both are going to be decently productive backs. You know, they both tend to find the end zone quite a bit, but not get a ton of art yard yardage. So, I mean, neither of them are really guys that I'm targeting in CFF or C two C. So. Yeah, it's, it's a shame because I like a lot of what Brooks does as a runner, um, but I don't know if I see the production there. And then coming from Texas Tech, I, I don't know what that NFL future is going to look like. So he's a guy that's fallen for me lately. Um, moving into the wide receiver room here, and this is another you know room that we are looking to target in a Zach Kitley offense here. Last year they had two at Western Kentucky. They had two 1,400-plus yard wide receivers. Um 
you know, Miles Price seems like he's going to be the guy to step into that Jareth Stearns role last year that had 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns almost. You know, he had an insane number here. So is Miles Price the guy that, that you're you're targeting pretty heavily here? you targeting him early? Yeah, I think me and every CFF guy on the planet. <laughs> I mean, he's been going second round. Yeah, And I'm like, whoa. And you look at his production in the past, you're like, wow, we are projecting a lot for that. But he's, I mean, he fits it perfectly. He fits the mold of that, of Stearns, you know, as a guy who's quick possession type guy that can break the break long plays after the, after the pass, after the catches. So he's going to get targets and he's going to have chances for yak. So man, I hope, we, I hope he does what we all want him to do. So otherwise there's going to be a lot of disappointed people sitting there watching the playoffs happening while, while they spend a second round pick on <laughs> Miles Bryce. So. Yeah. I, I, I think he's the. He's the one to target there for sure. Like you said, second round where he's going, expect big things out of him. Um, but like I said, they had two 1,400 wide receivers last year. Mitchell Tinsley was very productive on that offense. He brings something very different. Um, you know, there there's two other guys on this offense that kind of fit a little bit more of what Tinsley does in being, you know, more of a big body guy, red zone guy. And that's um, my personal favorite, Loic Fungi. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and then Jaron Bradley too, are two guys that seem like they're going to be the ones to step up on the outside here. Um, I don't really have a great feel for this role right now here. Is there either one of these that you guys are targeting particularly, or are you kind of waiting on who breaks out? No, I said, give me the guy that 27 sports Gabe Brooks compared to DK Metcalf, please. That's Fungi. Fungi or whatever. <laughs> Six foot four, 195 pounds. Obviously not the physical specimen that DK is, but I mean, give him a little bit of steroids, a little bit of time. He'll be right there. Anyways, um, he's got similarities to his game early in his career. Fungi has like the top end speed, burst off the line. Great hands catcher. And he just needs to add a little bit of strength, a little bit of bulk, work on a little bit on his lateral agility, but he could be a really quick riser this year. And he's a guy I'm targeting later i don't think i've even tried to target bradley at all so if he's it i i'm, I'm out on him but I, i've tried to get phone g yeah that's that's the direction i would probably go to i just i don't have a great read for it right now i want to kind of see how this fall camp breaks down uh, before right. i make a commitment in one way or the other um then we move into the tight end room you know this might be the world's largest tight end room here uh they have mason tharp who's six foot eight, uh, 250 pounds. They have Henry Teeter, um, a little bit more on the average size, who's, you know, six, four, uh, 230. Um, they replace, they're both replacing Travis Koontz, who is also a large human being, uh, at, at 255 pounds, six, five. Do you have, a, are you interested in either of these guys here? Or are we more looking at these wide receivers? Yeah, I'm looking at the wide outs. So, I mean, the thing is, Kitley did kind of focus on Josh Simon played a pretty good role there under his offense. So, but I don't think either of these guys are the talent that Simon is. So, uh, not no, I'm not interested. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. I mean, I'll take a flyer on Tharp just in case, but um, you know, I, I only have him and it's like a 2014 league, right. so it's like the deepest leagues out there. Um, We'll move into West Virginia here. Uh, West Virginia brings in a new offensive coordinator and a familiar face, Graham Harrell, uh, over from USC. 
you know, we can expect an air raid offense here. We can expect a lot of passing volume coming from uh, this offense, which maybe we hadn't seen quite as much of in the past. They also bring in a new quarterback in JT Daniels here. Um, quarterbacks in Graham Harrell's offense have been productive. JT Daniels has a nice pedigree here. You know, what's your interest level here in uh, JT Daniels? Um, yeah, as far as I'm not sure on him, like, I think Graham Harrell, though, went, went to the Big 12 days here recently and said, hey, guys, Oklahoma and Texas are leaving us. You know what we should do? Let's see how many freaking points we can score every week. So <laughs> that's kind of what they're doing. Like, like, understand, play understand, man. Let's go. Let's, let's score some points. Um, as far as JT, though, I my ship is – I said the ship is freaking sailed. And he could be a solid producer in this offense. Arm talent has never been a question. But I just have overall doubt in his mental makeup. He couldn't even usurp Stetson Bennett, of all things of all quarterbacks. I mean, I'm just kind of out as him as a prospect. I think he's probably a decent guy, a decent quarterback. And I said, I hope he rehabs his stock and NFL teams to invest <laughs> a second day pick on him. And I hope it's either the Steelers, Ravens, or the Browns. So <laughs> that's what uh, I think of JT. Fair enough. Yeah. And he's a guy that <laughs> really can't seem to stay healthy either. Um, they do bring in an intriguing guy here in, in four-star four prospect, a number 19 quarterback in the class of 2022, Nico Marchial, um, a guy that the 24-7 sports compares to Kellen Moore, who's somebody who I think would definitely thrive in Graham Harrell's offense. Uh, you know, What's your interest level here in Nico Marchial? Yeah, I thought you said he's waiting with wings. So I'm like, yes, <laughs> on some wings. He's got great size at six foot two, 220. He is a lefty, you know, mm -hmm. so whatever you think of, get that out of the way, you know. But his, his tape in high school was super impressive. I was impressed with how he used, he went through progressions, he moved around the pocket, he showed mental processing that you don't normally see in high school quarterbacks. You know, they don't, they're normally not that advanced. He seems to have a good grasp of the game. And then he's got a crazy quick release, he throws with anticipation. He seems to be really smart, and I, I think he's fully on board to be the starter in 2023 at, at the least. And I, I'd, I'd be curious one day to see a 30 for 30 on JT Daniels and yeah. find out exactly what happened, you know, because he supposedly was healthy last year and it never really started, you know. So I'd be curious to hear someday what actually happened. So, yeah, definitely one of the more interesting stories. But yeah, I'm, I'm Nico Marchio is a guy that I'm definitely watch listing if I don't take him, you know, in the, 45th round of my draft or, or wherever, like somewhere very late. Um, he's, he's a guy I'm interested in. Um, in the West Virginia in the past, the running back has been the player that you want to target more. We know when it was Letty Brown, uh, he was very productive in his time there. Um, it seems like Tony Mathis Jr. is going to be the guy who steps up and takes this role this year, especially with Lynn J. Dixon, a former Clemson transfer, transferring into West Virginia and now transferring out. Um, you know, but Jalen Anderson's there as well. He's a guy who was, uh, you know, four star, number 21 running back in the class of 2021. Um, are you on the Mathis train here? Or are you holding out some hope for Jalen Anderson? I think you're muted. Gosh darn it. Uh, if left to my own vices, I'm taking Anderson. I, I don't think Mathis is going to be an overwhelming like asset for college fantasy or anything. I don't think I wasn't overly impressed in the little bit I've watched of him. 
not going to say I've watched a whole lot of West Virginia real close, looking for the few carries that he's had thus far. So I, I like Anderson a lot more as a long-term guy. Um, I said I, I, I put him, he's my dude. I think he, I like that size at six foot 205. His high school tape, he runs with a really low center of gravity at six foot. It's pretty impressive. Plows through contact, shifty runner, makes people miss with subtle moves, and has also shown he can cast passes. You know, so I do think that he's got the most potential in this room. And I think he might end up just rotating with Mathis this year and who knows what beyond this year. They bring in another guy. I'm not sure. So I'm honestly just kind of out on this field. If you make me take one of the gun to my head, though, it's Anderson. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by Anderson as well. Um, he's definitely a guy that I've been watch listing in a lot of places. Not anybody that I've picked up yet, but a lot of potential there for him. Uh, the wide receiver room, you know, in Graham Harrell's offense, there's a lot of production to go around. Um, we have Caden Prather there, uh, 6'4", 210 pounds. He was a four-star guy when he came out uh, in the class of 2021 last year. Um, Bryce Ford Wheaton, uh, returning, uh, a leading returning receiver uh, from this team last year, 42 catches, 575 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, also a bigger guy, 6'3", 220. Um, you know, or, and then they have a, another intriguing guy, um, on the roster there that is is returning in Sam James. Do you have a, a favorite out of these three here? Um, Prather by far. I mean, I think Prather is going to be the guy. I mean, he's, if I put my money, he's, he's a guy I've been targeting kind of in the mid late rounds of CFF and stuff. I think he's going, there's a lot to love about his game at six foot three, 210 pounds. He just bullies people. Like he just manhandles smaller defenders it's very quick off the line, out of breaks. He's strong. He's physical. I think he's already got that NFL size, and he plays even faster than his size, which is scary. Like, he's been ultra impressive. <laughs> like, I really like Prather a lot as a riser. Uh, needs to work on his technique a little bit, and he's raw. But it is a lot to love about his game. And uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton's another big guy. Not quite as explosive of an athlete. I think he's a good complement to Prather, uh, veteran guy. I think he's probably going to end up with pretty close to the same stat line as last year. You know, a guy that just you know, a decent wide receiver too. I, I do like that he try. I think he tracks the ball well, good hands, good after the catch, um, moves all over a little bit more. And I don't have – I had Jarrell Williams. Is, I don't have much on him yet. but So I don't – those are the two guys I'm focusing on in this offense, but it's Prather by far for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Prather there, too. Very interested in uh, him, especially from a CFF perspective, given the history of production at the wide receiver room uh, from Graham Harrell. Um, you touched on Jarrell Williams. He's a guy uh, in this year's class, three-star in the 2022 class, 6'2", 185. Drew some, drew some buzz there this spring, so that's right. definitely a name to monitor there. Um, but Prather is the, is the guy that I'm interested in the most there. Uh, and then the tight end doesn't really have a history of much production in Graham Harrell offense. Anybody you're interested in from this room? No, sir. And kind of where I'm at as well there. Um, so that's really going to do it here for our Big 12 uh, preview. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of intriguing offenses this year. Um, I think this is going to be some high-flying offenses. So this is going to be, uh, be a conference to watch. Yeah, but, even Kansas. Kansas <laughs> might even be all right. So. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to do it for us here tonight. Uh, as your CFF guide or drafts are kicking off, I'm sure, you know, we're getting into redraft season here. Uh, CFF guide still on sale at the site. 
Uh, we've been referencing that pretty heavily throughout the show here. Break full breakdown on every team, uh, depth charts, got player analysis in here too. Top 50 breakout freshmen. Uh, this thing is chock full of info. It's available at the site for $20. Uh, go get yourself a copy of that if you have not yet. Um, running alongside our conference kickoffs here, we have the conference preview article series released on the site. Uh, Sunbelt up first uh, by Chris Moxley. Um, and we'll be kind of flowing in through that as well. So check those out if you're interested in an article breakdown of these conferences. Austin is going to be back next week, uh, you know, much to everybody's dismay, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Tune in on Monday for him being back. But Dwight, thank you so much for joining me thank tonight and filling his shoes. I really appreciate it. Um, just tell the people, you know, where they can find you and then what you're working on. Yeah, and FF People's Champ on Twitter and my work here at Campus to Canton and a little bit of Dynasty Nerds. You won't see my name too much out there. I do mostly behind the scenes stuff. So, but I'm always here lurking, not all creepy like or anything. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lurker too. I'm a behind the scenes guy typically as well, <laughs> as well. Uh, but I appreciate you joining me here. That's going to do it for us here tonight. Uh, as always, I'm Colin. And I'm Dwight. <laughs> and have a good one. <laughs>